You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I have a guest which I'm, who I'm very excited to talk to, Melissa Oliveri, who does a, a podcast I discovered, the Skylark Podcast, and is a musician. Um, lots to explore. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Um, and listeners might not know this, but Melissa and I totally got the geek out on Twin Peaks. <laughs> Before we came on, uh, love Twin Peaks, and uh, I'm sure it'll come up when we're talking. But uh, Melissa, were you an artist when you were born? Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. I've been creating things uh, since I could use my hands. So what did you start? So what what type of things did you what type of things do you make? I know you're a singer. I know you're a singer, and so I, I wanna yeah. I wanna hear about like the different type of things you started to develop and and do. So um, well, as a child, I'm an only child, and um, I, I I mean I've been writing, making up stories, and drawing pictures, and and you know plucking out melodies on the little tykes piano or whatever it was fisher price when i was a kid so you know that's been there the whole time but i would also like create uh games out of you know popsicle sticks like i would make travel games for myself because we spent a lot of time in the car and you know things like that so there was always that kind of inventive uh mind and now that has translated to um I've always been a musician, so creating music, writing songs, things like that. And more recently, uh, I started this podcast, and I the podcast is me reading a story that I wrote. I started writing almost 10 years ago and shelved because I didn't know what to do with it, and I was had a young child and work and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, eventually, I didn't know what to do with it, and then a friend suggested I turn it into a podcast, and I wasn't sure... And then I thought, ooh, I could write songs for it. And that was kind of the aha moment for me was was the music part of it. And then I thought, ooh, I could have sound effects. And yeah. uh, and that was it. When I fell into that, it just became so much fun. A lot of work, but a lot, a lot of fun and very, very, it kind of ties in my love of writing and my love of music. And I, I get to do it all in one spot. So that's, yeah. that's why yeah. I love that. Yeah. Let's chat a little bit about the, the podcast. I, I discovered mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, you know the integration of of, of, of sounds, mysterious sounds, uh, the beautiful music you create, having written it, and then you you, you narrate it. It's it's all mm-hmm. you that's in there in different um, different iterations and different uh, uh, pieces. So um, I, I I really I really uh, appreciate that, and um, it seems like quite uh, the project. Now uh, I've listened to, I've listened to the whole thing and uh, just love the serial aspect of like it mm-hmm. continuing on the story. There's short pieces, uh, there's short parts of the book of the, yep. of the story, uh, seven, eight, nine minutes and uh, Phantom Friday. Can you tell us about what you do on Phantom Friday? Yeah. I love Phantom Friday. So initially um, when I started the podcast, I thought, okay, I'll just read one chapter at a time. And then I thought, I only had one book at the time. And I thought, okay, well, I should probably, you know, stretch this out somehow. What can I do? And I thought, oh, on the last Friday of every month, I'm going to tell a ghost story. 
And, um, but then I didn't know that I'd have time to write a ghost story. And I thought, well, I've had weird experiences. Why don't I just tell one of those each Friday? And so that's what I've been doing. And it's, it's kind of a fun departure and they're kind of, those are standalone episodes. So people could just go technically and listen to just that if they yeah. wanted to. And then the story continues on its own the following week. But, um, yeah, yeah Phantom Friday is a lot of have- fun. You have permission to jump into Phantom Fridays, but listen to the totally uh, to 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 the whole to the whole thing as well. No, um, I uh, and, and it's out it's out uh, uh it's out every week. Um, mm-hmm. one of the uh, the the pieces which um uh, speaks to me is I know you're from Canada, and I mm-hmm. had mentioned some uh, French Canadian ancestry, a Quebecois, yes. and. What's really interesting and how I'm connecting a little bit more subtly to your program is that my my Nana uh, spoke French. And so it seemed otherworldly. You know, I was just a city mm-hmm. kid growing up, but she spoke French and she was a ghost. She she told some of those stories. Not mm-hmm. I don't remember them at all, but there was always this sensitivity to foreshadowing, foreknowledge old country something like mm-hmm. that and there's a there's that element in, in in your show where there's a lot of mystery uh to it it just seems like a big uh mystery were there cultural influences or like you know from from growing up in in family like that i connect mm-hmm. to it that way is that part of where it came from yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot. Well, Magpie, the main character, I think is is sort of a reflection of me as a child. Um, and definitely a lot of the places in the story are places that I went. And I think uh, the women in my family, on my mother's side especially, are very uh, intuitive or, or empaths or, you know, that type of thing. Um, and I think another thing that has fascinated me is that when I was eight years old, my great, great, grand, I'm sorry. There's my dog. No, there's been this actually on the podcast. The dog is totally fine. Cause we've had cats interrupt before. And dogs, Have you? Are, dogs are, dogs are part of the show. Dogs are she's, part of the show. She's 14 years old. So she gets to do whatever she wants. At this point. <laughs> um, on my mother's side, I remember my great, great grandmother. She died at 105. And currently, my grandmother is still alive in Quebec City as well. And she's just turned 105 earlier this month. Amazing. Yes. And there is something um, about that, about being that age and having nobody around you who lived the cultural references that you lived. You know, she can't sit and talk about, hey, do you remember in the mid-1920s? There's nobody here who still yeah. recalls that. And I find that very fascinating. And that I've add that, added that into the story um, as well, like that concept of time and how, how lonely it can be um, to have lived in a certain time. So I, I wrote that into it, too. I think there's kind of a mystique there as well. So, But yeah. definitely, yeah, French-Canadian and rural-Canadian uh, culture is absolutely in the story, even though I don't spell it out. I don't really say should they live in a fictional town called Pocket. It could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, but my mindset was definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, well, that point that you had mentioned about with like not being able to converse about events that were shared experiences, I, for some reason, I never quite thought about, maybe I'll think about it as I get older. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But I hadn't really thought about like as as time passes, there's not going to be anybody to interrogate, question, reminisce about um, mm-hmm. about your experience if it was that if it was that um, long ago. Right. I, um, so, uh, Melissa, uh, we've got some conceptual questions, mm-hmm. and um, one of them, you know, we we're talking about your background and such. I think might be appropriate. Is uh, what or who made you who you are? That's so interesting. I um, I wrote a song last year called The You That You Were. And the thought behind it was, you know, we, we really change as we get older. And um, for example, when I was a child, I was kind of a weird kid, and, you know, bullied and not cool, not popular. And, and I think that even though I kind of outgrew that and became my own person, and I'm very secure with who I am now and whatnot, but that person, that childhood person is still there. And sometimes we kind of want to push that away or forget about it. But I think it's important to recognize and remember that person. And so basically where what I'm getting at is in the song, one of the lines is survival and circumstance, they go hand in hand shaping who we are. And I think sometimes we get put into situations that we have no control of and we have to react however we react to get through them and survive. Um, and that's a huge part of what makes us who we are. For example, my mom passed away when I was very young. And so a huge part of who I am was shaped at that specific moment and how I overcame that. Um, and then, of course, the, there's the things that we choose, right? And so um, I, I met somebody and fell in love and moved here to the States. I left behind my house, my dog, my country, my job, and it all worked out. But that's that big move has been a huge part of who I am too. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I think that's kind of how it works, at least in my mind. Yeah. And I know like, um, there's something you said there about like connections to like ourselves or different areas and how we might try to, um, might try to discard that. And, uh, there's reasons for that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. psychological, but it, oh, you yeah. know, it's still, it's still part of like, it's still part of our continuum in, in, in who we, who we remain to be. Uh, so, right. um, all right. So I, we, I was, I, I told you, I was really interested in the way that you, you know, create your show and mm-hmm. the different type of talents and artistic expression that you used to, uh, um, to, to, to make it. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful piece of art to me, but I want to know from you, um, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. What is art? Mm. I think there's two sides to it, I think. So on the on the receiving end, I think art turns emotions into something tangible for people. You know, like I can look at a painting and and oh gosh, yeah, I've that expresses something for me that I couldn't express otherwise. So I think there's that. Um, and then for, for the person creating the art, I think in a sense, it's a way of leaving your mark behind, of leaving something of you behind. Um, at least for me, you know, with my mom passing when I was young, there's that thought process of we're finite, (laughs) you know, at some point the me that's here right now won't be here. What can I leave behind? And, um, and that for me is the driving force for creating art. But I, I think that art is that it, it's kind of twofold for the person making it, it's leaving a mark and, and getting something out that will stay behind. And then for the person receiving it, it's, 
you know, something that helps them kind of process maybe emotions or thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. I, I, it's, it's one of the like obviously central questions to, to explore. And I know for artists, like, you know, thinking about what you're trying to do and what the purpose is or whether you're trying to do it or not. I mean, I talk to artists to be like, well, I don't have a choice. So this, this shit comes out of me and like, <laughs> there it is. Like, you know, where yeah. others are like, it's a meditative practice and building up, you know, so like the experience of producing it um, mm -hmm. is, is different. I wanted to, um, I want to, I know you're a big Amanda Palmer fan. Yeah. Or AFP, Amanda fucking Palmer. Yes. Um, both. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things uh, I, I, I read um, the art of asking uh, yes. by, by Amanda Palmer, her, her, her book, and it inspired me to become an artist. And, and to do podcasting because it just the it just spoke to me so so deeply and now mm -hmm. I know you've had a connection to kind of maybe the courage or what uh, Amanda does for people um in how people connect to her uh she did a lot for me <laughs> just yeah. just just that that's enough forever but um for for you i know you have a kind of connection with her art and and her her style and how it impacted you can you tell us about that yeah so i also read that book um i think it was in early 2019 there was kind of a i guess i have to backtrack a little bit but um so about 15 years ago or maybe a little longer now i don't know what happened but i I, it was kind of around the time I moved to Minneapolis. It was a very stressful experience, yeah. even though it was a happy one. And um, and I stopped performing music for anybody, including my husband. Like I wouldn't play in front of anybody. It was just this massive performance anxiety. And I thought it would blow over, but it lasted 15 years. Oh my gosh. I know. And I still made music and created music and I played by myself every day. Like that never went away, but nobody aside from the dog heard it. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of years ago, I read The Art of Asking, and I don't remember what sparked me to grab that book, but I, I'm glad I did. And you're right, it is, um, it just hit me at a really fundamental level. <laughs> and um, there's something about it that gives you permission to suddenly do things and ask for things, of course. Um, and around the time that I read it, uh, I had joined Amanda's Patreon and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And she, she was putting out the new record yep. and she was going on tour and I bought concert tickets for the first time in like 10 years. And, um, and so when her record came out, then she had this song called the ride where the premise of it is life is just a ride. Like, you know, kind of let, you can't control it, let it go. And so those things, and then someone close to me passed away very suddenly. And that was kind of the last domino for me of what am I waiting for? I have all these songs in my head and I have all these books written that are sitting on a shelf. You know, what, what am I waiting for? And I went to see her show and that also kind of helped push everything to the forefront. And then from then on, it's just been this avalanche of creativity that I'm actually sharing for the first time in a long time. But she was definitely the first spark that lit the fire. So I'm. Yeah. She doesn't know it. <laughs> I'm super grateful to her. She, 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 she no. I mean, it's it, it's it's important where a couple people who just met uh, artists are connecting around an artist who said something. I mean, I think I remember in her book um, there was a visual 
which can give you courage. I mean, because she was working, you know, as that living statue, like Mm -hmm. in Boston, right? Like uh, I'm a living statue and I have these flowers and she's doing this like art performance piece. And well, people can sometimes be shitty, right? (laughs) I worked retail for a long time. Uh, (laughs) Not everybody appreciated her as the the living statue, but (laughs) for her, it was, I'm out there. This is what I'm doing. This Mm -hmm. is the performance. It's going to go from beginning to end and then I'm going to be done. And there's something, there's something about that where I think you could place yourself in the context of like, maybe I'm trying to make a song or I want to release a podcast or do a painting where, you know, I think those, she's deliberately given permission, but also with the, of, of asking of her way of saying, like, I'm doing this as an artist. I'm asking for your support. I'm asking mm-hmm. for you to like be like, this is really cool and come join me. And she has that organizing piece about it, which I just adore. So yeah. it's yeah. It, it's it's really nice to uh it's a great book, everybody. <laughs> yes, yes. read the book. Even if you're not necessarily a creative person, even if you're not gonna use it for that purpose, it it'll still give you you'll get something out of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're great. welcome for the book sales, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a super one. All right. So, um, one of the thing I wanted to ask you because, uh, um, I, I, we're talking about art and, and what art's supposed to do. And, um, I, I, I asked the question, what you think the role of art is. I speak to some guests. It's like, ah, oh, it's disrupt. There might be a political edge or it's to make hmm. you think, but what do you think is the role of art or, or, or your art specifically, like the role of art? Yeah, I guess that's interesting. You bring up the political part and I, 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 that wasn't my first thought, but that absolutely is there. Um, I, <laughs> my dogs are just crazy. Um, but uh, for in my life, art has been more of a source of comfort um, than, than, political action, even though I'm grateful that that type of art is out there. But for me, it's been like a, almost like a blanket, you know, like a, like a safe space. And what I discovered when I started sharing initially my music and now the podcast, um, is that people use my art. My dog just burped. (laughs) That was not me. (laughs) Just in case that made it into the audio. This this is an edited podcast. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. Um, Okay, where where was I? Where was I? Oh yes. Okay, so when I started sharing my music and then the podcast, and and people started approaching me about it, what I didn't realize what happened is they are using it as a source of comfort uh, and security as well. And um, so now I I kind of approach it almost in that way. I still write what I write and and play what I play because that's what comes out of me. But um, I use it as a way to connect to other people, and I think that's how they are using it as well. Yeah, I um, well, even the instructions that you give, I mean, it's like, you know, get in a blanket, have a warm beverage, <laughs> like you're setting up, you're setting up the scene. And even though like it's, you know, ghostly, mysterious or something, there's not, it's like not unsettling, like unsettling in the way of like, like, you know, tuck yourself in for, you know, saw two, you know, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's, it's it, you know, um, so uh, I, I appreciate how you do that. And I think sometimes when we can underplay how the sounds or voice or music like truly 
you know, like impacts us. Mm-hmm. And um, I think podcast is connecting a, a lot to just like the audio of the person's voice and connecting that way. And um, I think you could do a good job, even with deliberate, you know, setting of mood, um, you know, and, 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 and doing that. Um, uh, so one of the things that um, I ask artists, and it's like a big question because it has to do with what you do and the public out there. What do you think your art is and what do you think other people think your art is? Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. What is my art? I think my, uh, it, what I, what I, what I want my art to be is a, a full blown experience. So, and I'm finally with the podcast, I've kind of found a way to do that. But even with music, you know, it's not, so music obviously is something that you hear, but, you know, if I do, for example, a live stream, because obviously live shows were kind of out of the question recently, but um, I always think about, okay, what's in the background of the video? What am I going to wear? And it's not a a vain thing. It's what's going to be entertaining to look at, Yeah. you know, and um so and I and then I'll tell stories. I like to have that emotional connection. So I, I think what I want my art to be again is that full experience, which is what I try to put together with the podcast too. I try to use descriptive words and explain, you know, like I'll draw maps of my characters' houses so that I for sure, okay, the kitchen is here, you know, and and I see it in my head. And so I try to do that for other people too when they're listening. So that that's what I try to do. And I and I think it's I think it works. People, uh, you know, just from feedback that I get, people seem to view it as an immersive experience. It's not just one thing. It's not just music or it's not just a story. It's it's bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I've been interested in a a, a connected question is is. Mm And it has to do with like the artist and the artist process. And then like the, see, my, my personal confession is that I'm way too concerned what other people think always have been my Mm. whole life. And so I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to calibrate down the external, what the external says about what I do, because it's tends to be false, tends to be a product of my own mind, not other people's minds. Um, and so to move more back to the process for the artist yourself, yourself. Yeah. Um, and I've looked at different parts of like my art process. Like, am I being, am I satisfying or helping myself through the process? Mm-hmm. And it's different with every medium uh, that I do. I'm wondering for you, as far as mm-hmm. your process, is it gratifying in and of itself, uh, the process in and of itself for you? And do you need the, the, the dynamic that I said about myself as far as the affirmation? Do you, do you, have, do you think about that when you're doing your process? Yeah, um, not when I'm doing, not anymore. <laughs> so I, I let that stop me for a long time. I think that was a big part. That was part of it. Okay. Part of the 15 year hiatus yeah, and, and, yeah. and, you know, rolled into that was, you know, being bullied as a kid and feeling insecure and, all of that. Um, and when I finally, after reading The Art of Asking and, you know, all that that I talked about earlier, I finally came to a place where I I don't really care. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I, I don't care enough to let it stop me anymore. Yes. Um, 
when I'm creating something, whether it's the story or the song or whatever, um, I don't think about the audience. And some of the things I've read say that, well, you should <laughs> if you want to make a living off of it, but I can't. I feel like it has to just come from, well, sometimes come from me. Sometimes it feels like you're kind of channeling somewhere else something or someone else yeah and that, i love when that happens because i then i sit and wonder who <laughs> you know and we're going back to that mystical thing um but you know when when it when it's something that comes from me um i don't want it tainted by other people or what they might think i want it to just be what it is and hopefully people will connect to it and then that's how I'll find my people. I kind of use my art like a beacon. <laughs> like here, here's yeah. me. Anybody else feel this way? Yeah. And the beautiful thing so far, knock on wood, has been that, I, I mean, I don't know if I've gotten a negative comment in the two years now that I've been putting this stuff out there daily almost. So it's, you know, not that there are people out there who don't like what I do. That's fine. You know, not everyone's going to love everything. Um, doesn't mean it's not good. It just means it doesn't speak to them. But yeah, it's it's been really, really cool. Um, but my favorite moments are definitely those channeling moments where, you know, sometimes I'll sit in the hammock with my laptop and start writing the story. I'm writing now the continuation of the current podcast, the next two seasons. Yeah. Um, and next thing I know, there's like 5,000 new words. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's like these characters are, it's, their story's already written. I'm just kind of typing it for them you know it's yeah. super or, or with music too i'll just i'll just start playing notes and sometimes lyrics will just pop out and they're not telling my story you know sometimes these lyrics have nothing to do with my life and then you're going okay you know you'll get three sentences and you're going all right who is this <laughs> well yeah who is this and every um a, a few years ago my mother-in-law passed away and it was right around day of the dead and that year we had really connected very closely with um, this woman at our farmer's market locally who's originally from Mexico. And we went to see her that weekend and she had a booth set up for Day of the Dead with her baked goods that she was selling. And she told us, you know, the history and the culture and how it works. And so my son and I came home and we set up an ofrenda on the piano with photos and, you know, the whatnot. And so now we've been doing that every year. And every year when everyone goes to bed, I sit and I play the piano for them. And um, I like to imagine, and maybe it's real, <laughs> that all these little ghosts are sitting, you know, cross-legged on the on the edge of the piano, listening to me. And and some of them sometimes are like, mm, you should you should do this, you know. And every day of the dead, every night that I played, every year, something new comes out that I don't feel like it's coming from me. Yeah. And so I, I think it's twofold. Sometimes it comes from the outside, but sometimes it comes from some other place and that's a phenomenon that i've heard multiple artists talk about so it's a thing we just don't know what it is yet <laughs> yeah and i, I want to just follow up one more on on mm -hmm. on that um and and because i i find it deeply fascinating the way that you talk about it and, and, and artists do um it's present in your it's present in your work um mm -hmm. with um with what i'll say your sensitivity like mm -hmm. to what, what's energy, we could call it whatever we want. That's not yeah. for me to do for you, but the right. sensitivity to that energy, to that influence, to that force. Is that difficult for you to manage? It can be. Um, it can be. It's it's interesting to talk about because I'm, 
<laughs> it's hard to explain, but I'm, I'm very scientific minded and I'm not spiritual in the sense, I mean, I grew up going to church and whatnot, but that's just not part of my life. Yeah. And so I try to navigate that with these experiences that I have, you know, and I, and I try to be kind of scientific about it. Like, how does it work? And it, it's really central to, well, pretty much the story in the podcast, but a lot of my music too, trying to sort out how, you know, if I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I'm encountering this person from, you know, 60 years ago <laughs> in, in their energy or whatever. Um, so that's a huge, huge piece of my life. But so, sometimes it, it is hard. Um, you know, not all energy is good energy. And so sometimes you walk into a room and you just feel this mm, something in the air that can be really distracting or can even one time only, um, it actually made me physically ill and I oh, had wow. to leave. Yeah. So it, it, it is, it's hard to navigate, um, being so, and then I think it also applies to living people. I shouldn't only speak about dead people yeah. be, because I can sponge off, you know, whatever, whatever energy people are, are emitting just in general. So it, it's, it's definitely tricky to navigate. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks for talking about that. I know it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's personal, but it's like, mm -hmm. for me, it's, 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 it's a reality that exists out there. You don't have to like explain away and now everybody has different type of, uh, of viewpoints on it, but, um, it's present in your work. And that's why I wanted to mm -hmm. engage with you, um, on it.
are impressive, Melissa. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, blue dress, blue dress. Um, beautiful track. Um, thank you. Tell us what you want to say about it. <laughs> well, um, the music part came to me, I guess, around the holidays last year. And um, it was just instrumental. And the only part I had was actually not a lyric that ended up making in, making it into the song. But it was, uh, they call her Enchantress, the woman in the blue dress. And that was all I had <clears throat> for months. <laughs> and finally, I was putting out, so with the Phantom Friday episodes of the podcast, um, I write an original song for that episode every time. And... Um, or, or I, well, initially I thought I would use a song that I already had, which happened once, and then none of my songs fit in <laughs> with the other episodes. But Unfortunately. It's been really, yeah, I know. I was like, oh, no, now I have to write a new song every time. <laughs> but it's been great motivation. And, um, you know, the podcast is very time and energy consuming. And this is a great way to not let music kind of fall by the wayside. So that's where that comes in. And so I had this, you know, piece of music about a woman in a blue dress. And this story that goes with that episode um, and that that song goes to is a story about when my husband and I bought this house that I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> and just before we moved in, we came to measure windows. And I had an experience up in our room where I felt this woman in an old timey dress looking out at a lake. And when we bought our house, I mean, I had been in Minnesota for just a few months. I didn't know this neighborhood. I didn't know anything about it, but there's no lake outside our bedroom window. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, and I, I just kind of brushed it off and thought I was, you know, I do have a good imagination. So <laughs> I thought that's what it was. Um, and two weeks later, we came to pick up some mail that had arrived prematurely at our new address. And my husband actually knew the previous owner. They'd been to high school together. And so we're sitting there chatting on the front steps and blah, blah, blah. And she says, by the way, did you know that the lake that's four or five blocks away actually had a peninsula that came out? And so our bedroom window would have had a view of the lake, the lake. back in the day. And uh, I have goosebumps even now <laughs> thinking yeah. about it. And so, um, so I tell that story and I thought, okay, well, I have this little piece of music and I have this idea about a woman in a blue dress. What if hypothetically, that woman up there was wearing a blue dress. What would I say about it then? And then that's where the lyrics came about. Um, but another thing we were talking earlier about my experiences, I guess the part I forgot to mention, but uh, the thing that I find so fascinating about it is how, like, you know, I'm experiencing her, but what if she's experiencing me at the same time? You know, and um, and so that's how the song ends. Like, we're both mesmerized by the woman with the blue eyes, meaning... What if we, what if she saw me too, you right. know, and that whole concept of maybe I'm a ghost to somebody at every waking moment, potentially, right. you know, maybe 60 years from now, somebody will walk through this room and they'll feel like this weird David Lynch energy or something. Well, I ain't leaving this, me, I ain't leaving this plane. I'm hanging out. Right? So. <laughs> I know. It's pretty great. I can't wait to haunt all those bullies from high school. <laughs> yeah. But that's where, that's where the concept of the song kind of came in and, um, and it has all these distinct, you know, parts to it. The musically, really parts that normally wouldn't fit together, and I and I sort of strung them together somehow. And I like that because it's a little bit disjointed and a little awkward, but it, it's 
it still works, which is kind of how I think life and afterlife and all those encounters kind of are too. Um, You know, they make you just a little uncomfortable. You don't quite understand them, but they're there. And so that's, that's how that all came about. Now I I had a, I had a question um, that I was interested in going back to the beginning, you know, coming from Canada and Mm -hmm. uh, you speak French, right? I do. yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, one of the things I wanted to, to, to ask you about only because, um, it's, it, I love the French language, but in, in particularly in songs, you know, mm, I love mm-hmm. uh, Sir Gainsbourg and some of the French pop, yeah. Charlotte Gainsbourg, um, and in, you know, other stuff. Um, I love it. Can you tell me being by, bi- you know, bilingual, being able to mm-hmm. kind of like move between that? Is there things you can do? Do you feel there's things you can do uh, in French that you can't do in English? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's so interesting because I grew up speaking both languages. My mother's family is French. My father's family is Anglophones from Quebec. So they're all bilingual. And um, so I knew both alphabets when I was like two or whatever. So, so you know, it, it, it comes into that when you're filling out forms, like well, your primary language. And I'm like, well, it depends where I'm living, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's strange how the brain works with that. You know, there's certain phone numbers that I only know in French. <laughs> if I want to say them in English, I have to write them down. It, it's really, in, or, or if I've identified somebody as French in my brain, even though they're bilingual, I cannot speak to them in the other language. So, yeah, it's a really weird thing. Um, but I have written a couple few songs in French, and um, it's a lot of fun for me because I I like the playfulness, um, like Serge Gainsbourg that you're talking yeah. about. Or, you know, there's a playfulness there that... Um, I mean, there are playful English songs too, but it's just a different vibe that that you can't capture it quite the same way. Yeah. So yeah, I did. My aunt, um, who does not speak English, asked me a couple weeks ago, um, "Well, can you translate your podcast?" <laughs> and um, and I would love to, but that is like heckin' time consuming. So. But watch out! One of these days, the podcast will be in French too. I think. So well, yeah. I mean, it's come, it's, it's, it's come up, and well, I mean, I think, I, I, I mean, on the tech point, I think on the tech point, um, there's going to be a more quick, ready translation that's going to happen mm-hmm. through artificial intelligence. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm saying it's simply going to happen. You know, yeah. Um, as far as in, in, in different languages. Um, and uh, oh, thanks for that too, because I was just oh, kind of yeah. like, oh, I love that. <laughs> and just, yeah. and I know that the brain thinks differently in different languages. Um, mm-hmm. I've studied uh, Spanish, and I'm actually, um, I dabble in languages the best possible way. Like I'm intellectually yeah. curious about language and being able to express mm-hmm. notions in it, but I'm not. I haven't shown myself to be particularly adept at language acquisition, but sure. it, it hasn't it hasn't uh, stopped me. The problem is I found that I, I pick languages that are too difficult. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to study Navajo and Mandarin now. Oh, that's and, super cool. And that's, it's cool, but it sounds cool, but I have to carry out some basic level to say that I'm actually doing it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fascinated by people who, you know, French and English are different. 
and they have different roots, but they're still, I mean, at least we have the same alphabet. Like I'm fascinated by people who will do, you know, Icelandic and, you know, Mandarin and English. <laughs> like it's just such a, I don't know, that feels like a way step above anything that I've ever done. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's the interrogation, for me, it tends to be the interrogation because like, uh, the interrogation of like the thought and like what concepts can be reached in a language or not. Like, how do you think mm -hmm. in a, in a language? That's what you're yeah. talking about. Like, I can't sing or I can't like accept this person if I see them in the, not accept, <laughs> but like, I can't yeah. no, immediately yeah. interact with them, you know, yes. um, because of that. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Melissa, you're, you're, you're like totally properly warmed up for the big question of the show. Uh oh, okay. All right. So why is there something rather than nothing? Okay. Okay. I love this. <laughs> well, can I give a long answer? Of course. The show is about okay. long answers. Okay. So, well, it's interesting that you ask that just as we're speaking about being bilingual because, um, you know, my whole life I moved a lot between French and English Canada and I was always the French girl to the English people and the English girl to the French people. So there's, you know, now I'm a Canadian citizen and an American citizen. There's a lot of duality in my life. And um, I, it took me a long time to kind of reconcile all of it. You know, I'm, I'm very introverted, but I also love performing. So there, there's just a lot of that. And so I think there's something and nothing. Or I don't think there would be something if there weren't nothing. <laughs> it's kind of light and dark, right? If, if it was daylight all the time, we wouldn't, it, we wouldn't even think about it. But like because night. we have night all of a sudden daylight becomes something. So they bounce off each other. Um, but I'm glad there's something. <laughs> I'm glad there's something. And, you know, it's like, well, and especially as artists, if we're, if we're creating, you know, well, there was nothing before that. And then all of a sudden you, you make something that's really beautiful. It is. I, I think, I think all the some things are beautiful. I'm very happy that they're there, but they wouldn't to me exist if there wasn't also a counterbalance of nothing on the other side. So, but then is nothing something? I don't know. Oh, you see, I, I as, 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 as host, I, I get these coming back at me and I've always figured out, like, tried to figure out what to do. And it's like, sometimes I just, uh, sometimes I just volley. I'll keep it in your court. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think nothing is something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I, I find the question fascinating. I mean, uh, it's, it's been, you know, more properly established historically as like, you know, God, universe, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think we're all individual creators. And I've tried to apply the question to, you know, is an artist trying to make, you know, make something from nothing, you know, and, and all those iterations of it. And I find it to be, you know, like, just kind of like a fun territory, um, you know, to, 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 to get into. Um, now, I wanted to ask you um, about uh de deliberately about um accessing your music what you got going on with your music mm. where to find it i i'm a big band camp fan a lot of the bands yeah. and performers i i mentioned uh you know get their stuff on band camp and i i got your stuff on band camp there but could you talk a little bit more deliberately about so the audience knows like sure. you know like where to find you um for the music and what you're up to 
Yeah, so yes, you're right, Bandcamp. I, I've been loving Bandcamp, not just for myself to put my music on, but for other people. And yep. um, there's that Bandcamp Friday that has been going on now since the pandemic, which is once a month. And um, I always wait till Bandcamp Friday, and then I look up all my connections on Instagram, and do they have something new, and I go and buy music from them then. Um, I do have a little bit of music on streaming platforms, um, I don't put my focus primarily on that. I do it because you kind of have to, um, but I like to connect a little more directly with people. And so um, as I have a Patreon account, um, which is just so great. I put everything on there. It's a total stew. Like I have, you know, drawings and music. Uh, the podcast episodes are way ahead on the uh Patreon page than they are to the public. Finding that and, out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and I think I even have recipes on there. <laughs> Every, children's stories that I wrote and illustrated a gazillion years ago are up on there. So it, it's really a mishmash, but there's something for everybody. So that's fun. Um, and then as far as social media, I'd say definitely Instagram is my, my favorite. Um, it's where I share the most things for both music, which is... Um, at canal.music and then the podcast is just the skylark bell all one word um and yeah i i do i like to interact with people there i, I feel like there's a great camaraderie and great community sense of community on instagram um i do have facebook accounts too for the most part it's just kind of uh shifting whatever i put to instagram over to facebook uh, and, and I like to, when I do play live music, um, I do it through Instagram. Facebook just doesn't, the sound is bad. <laughs> I've tried all different ways. It just doesn't work. So I'm sorry, Facebook, but, uh, I do play live on Instagram somewhat regularly. And, uh, in fact, I have something planned for mid June. Um, it'll be my grandma's birthday. And, uh, so I'm going to do a Frenglish show <laughs> where I'll play Ooh. some French and English songs. So you may want to hop on that one. Ah, uh, um, that's not going to be on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I have going on right, right at this moment. And like I said earlier, I'm writing, I've written book two for the Skylark Bell and I just started writing book three this week. So there's a couple more seasons ahead for the podcast at least. Lovely. Super excited. It's, it's good, you know, as, as, as a listener to be excited from somebody's putting content, what's next. I think the serial format is, is super fun. Mm -hmm. And if folks are behind, that's totally fine. Cause I just listened mm -hmm. all the way straight through, you know, I was just walking and just listening all the way straight through. So I know sometimes the audience and listeners be like, Oh, like even my podcast, I'll be like, well, if you dig it, that's fine. But you're going to go through two and a half days. Of <laughs> a lot of no, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, jump in, uh, listeners jump in on the, the Skylark Bell is, um, just, just a, just a great, uh, podcast. Um, uh, Melissa, it's been, it's been a deep pleasure to chat with you. And I wanted to tell you too, um, I, uh, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, what you put out and I appreciate the connection, uh, from you in, a uh, a place, a state that I love. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I know it's, it's been, you know, there's significant, um, yeah. social, uh, issue, you know, in Minnesota and, and Minneapolis, St. Paul, but a, a region of the country I, I very much love. And I feel, um, I feel it's great to be able to connect with you. Gosh, I mean, we didn't get to PJ Harvey. We'll have to chat again, but PJ Harvey, oh, yes. like, you know, yes. we could talk for him. We could do a Amanda fucking Palmer episode. <laughs> we <laughs> <You know>? should. <laughs> we um, should. <laughs> uh, but um, 
is I just wanted to to ask if you anything you wanted to leave the uh, leave the audience uh, leave the audience with. Oh, um, I think my biggest piece of of <laughs> no, I don't want to call it advice, but that I had a moment later on in life that I wish I had had earlier, and it was it's okay to be weird. It's actually preferable. Normal is boring. And so I want to leave the audience with that. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you yes. for saying that. as a weirdo and eccentric, uh, I appreciate yeah. you saying that out loud. Uh, yes. me, I, I appreciate that uh, <laughs> me as the weirdo and eccentric. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the things I, I have to mention too, is that, um, uh, Melissa's wonderful shirt. Um, the, the lock <laughs> lady from Twin Peaks is yes, my lock my has, has something to tell you. Yes. And uh, I am, am, am convinced that uh, Melissa Oliveri has something to tell us as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank, thank, you, thank you so much for, um, for everything you do, uh, Melissa. It's been nice um, to connect with you and everybody just, just, just go get the Skylark. Uh, Bell the podcast and, and check out Canal uh, Canal Music with uh, Melissa Oliveri. Uh, you will be you will be better for it. So thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This is something rather than nothing.